0: Open the precious Word of God to Second Thessalonians, chapter 2. Second Thessalonians, chapter 2. Thank you, blessed God, for your precious Scriptures. Amen. Let God be true, but every man a liar. Amen. We have already ruled out 4.8 billion, or over two-thirds of the earth's population, by condemning paganism from Psalm 115. Paganism is any religion or lack thereof that doesn't acknowledge the Lord Jehovah. Amen. By our simple definition. Now we come to Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Where the Lord rules out another three quarters. But it's the three quarters of so-called Christendom. In certain respects, because they are the followers of the man of sin. And then, he shows that 99% of those that are left are blinded as well by not being able to understand this simple passage. We live in the perilous times of the last days. Men have turned away their ears from the hearing of the truth unto fables. They will no longer endure sound doctrine, so they heap to themselves teachers that will itch their scratching lust. Thank you, Lord, for Second Thessalonians chapter two. Let me read to you the first three verses. There is more said about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in the two epistles to the Thessalonians than all the other epistles of the New Testament. Verse 1 of 2 Thessalonians 2. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto Him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Let's stop there for a moment. We are dealing with the question why all the confusion? Why is there so much confusion in the world about what is true or false, what is right or wrong, what is wise or what is foolish? What is righteous or what is wicked? We're dealing with that issue because we believe and we humble ourselves before and we give all the glory to the God of the Bible that blinds men according to the good pleasure of his own will. And he reveals his truth to a very small minority of mankind. For numerous reasons, and they all work to the glory of God and the profit of our souls if we will submit to them. The apostle here is beseeching, he is begging, he is pleading with these brethren not to be shaken up that the second coming of Christ is about to happen. Because the second coming of Christ could not happen because there were two other major events that had to come in front of the second coming of Jesus Christ. The amazing thing is that after you blow out two-thirds of the world's population with paganism, and you blow out three-quarters of what is left because they follow the man of sin, that 99% of what is left doesn't understand those three word verses. Right. The popular scheme is, Jesus is coming next. In a surprise and secret rapture. And after Jesus comes in a surprise and secret rapture, then the man of sin, or the Antichrist, is going to be revealed, and he's going to rule the earth for seven years. And some say three and a half good years, and then three and a half bad years. And then Jesus will come a third time, and then there'll be a thousand-year millennium where there's still wicked living in the world. And then Jesus will come a fourth time and we'll finally get things wrapped up. But let's not worry about all that timeline that they make. Let's come right here and see that the Apostle Paul gives us an order of events. Why can't anyone see it? Because unless God opens our eyes, none of us would see it. It doesn't matter whether it was Rosedale Baptist Trinity Baptist, Mitchell Road Presbyterian, Bob Jones University, or C.I. Schofield's pretension of a Bible. None of them understand these three verses. The order is a great falling away. There would be an apostasy away from the truth, and the truth would go into a very small minority. Second, the man of sin and son of perdition would be revealed to take His throne in a so-called temple of God where He would be worshipped like God and above all that is called God. Then the Lord Jesus Christ can come, but not until then. If you were a Thessalonian and you had had the Old Testament Scriptures and you had read the book of Daniel, you would be waiting for this explanation in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Because you would know from the book of Daniel that the fourth empire on earth, the Roman empire, would degenerate into ten nations of Europe. The one Caesar ruling from Britain to near India would be taken out of the way and the empire would degenerate into what we call the common market nations of Europe. Out of them would grow a little horn. Another kingdom would rise out of the fallen remains of the Roman Empire, and that empire would make war against the people of God and prevail against them for a great period of time. This is all in Daniel 7. This is also in Revelation 12 and Revelation 13 and Revelation 17. Same thing, same beast. Same description, same time period. 1,260 years that we know are called the dark ages. Because darkness came over the earth because there was a great falling away. A falling away from light and truth to darkness and error. And here it is described. Why can't anyone see it? Because God has blinded their eyes. They do not want to submit to Scripture. They want to make friends with the popes of Rome? Then be blinded when it comes to the Word of God. The order is plain. A great falling away, the man of sin revealed, or the Antichrist here and identified, then Jesus Christ can come. And you know we look for His coming because we know those two things have occurred. The Thessalonians were not to look for His coming. They weren't to be shaken up that Jesus could come at any time because He couldn't come. But the, the Christian world, and I'm not talking about the Catholic world, and I'm not talking about the deluded Christian world, I'm talking about conservative fundamentalist churches of the Hiles, Graham, and other sorts, Bob Jones sorts, they can't figure out these three verses, and they reverse the order. Jesus comes first, then the Antichrist. Right. Sorry, you're wrong. The Bible is right and by the grace of God, we're able to read it and believe it. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, we wouldn't be able to read it and believe it. Right. Not unto us. Not unto us, O Lord, do we give glory, but unto Thee for Thy mercy and Thy truth's sake for teaching us these things. Amen. That is so powerful and plain. They're totally wrong. C.I. Schofield and John Derby, Hal Lindsey and Tim LaHaye. Clarence Larkin and the rest of them are wrong. It doesn't matter how many degrees they have. They're wrong. Right. You young men and you young women. You hold fast to these things. Lest anyone take them away from you. Look at that third verse and what it says. Let no man deceive you by any means. There is a whole lot of deception going on about this timetable. The timetable is a falling away, the man of sin or antichrist being identified, then Jesus Christ comes. Not the reverse of it. Don't let anyone deceive you by any means. There is a reason why the 15th verse of this chapter begins with the word, therefore. And it's what causes rise to the existence of this church. Therefore. Therefore. The brethren that were beseeched in verse 1 are told in verse 15, Therefore, brethren, stand fast. Fast means fastened. Stand fastened and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. The reason he says word and our epistle is because he wrote what's in chapter 2, but in chapter 2 he said, please remember what I told you when I was with you. Because Paul told them plainly what he meant in chapter 2 when he was with them, but he didn't put it into writing because it would have been to the detriment and danger of that church. This church at Thessalonica is accused in Acts chapter 17 of teaching that there is another king besides Caesar. The last thing Paul needed to do was put in writing a letter to the church at Thessalonica that as soon as the Roman Empire is overthrown and is taken out of the way, and that empire that is keeping the popes from taking their position of authority, as soon as that empire is taken out of the way, then the Lord Jesus, then the Antichrist can come, another king will come in a kingdom, and then Jesus Christ can come. Paul just says, you all know what I'm talking about. There's something in place right now that is keeping the man of sin from taking his throne. You all know what it is because I told you when I was with you. Why is he so obscure? I just told you why he's so obscure. For a very good reason. Why in the world would he add to the persecution of the Romans against the Christians by saying the Roman Empire was going to be overthrown? They wouldn't be able to figure this out if they put a hundred minds on it for a hundred years. Let's, just, let's read a little description of this man of sin. Verse 4, Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. You need to take a view of the Vatican. You need to get a few pictures of the Vatican to realize where St. Peter sits in that, the proximity of that high altar where God is worshiped. St. Peter is way up there, way up there above the altar of God. He sits in a temple. That's why he calls his infallible utter- utterances ex cathedra, sitting in the bishop's chair. Sitting in the temple of God and declaring things above God and against God. All that Daniel chapter 7 told us that he would do. He would change times and seasons and his mouth would speak great blasphemies against the God of heaven. And he would continue until the Son of God came and destroyed him with a flaming fire. Yeah. it sounds like Second Thessalonians 2. Oh, this is so difficult. Why can't they figure it out? Because He hath blinded their eyes, and stopped up their ears, and hardened their heart, so that they cannot see, hear, nor perceive. And if you can see, hear, and perceive right now, praise the God of heaven. I believed all that garbage. I remember reading a little novel by Salem Kirban when I was about somewhere between 12 and 15 years of age. You know, every year they've got new novels coming out about the coming of Jesus Christ and then the Antichrist. I read all that garbage. I watched A Thief in the Night. Sherry and I got saved several times watching A Thief in the Night. Amen. You too, brother. Yes. We got saved several times because every time we saw it, when the wife would come into the bathroom and the razor is just in the sink, the electric, the electric shaver is in the sink running, but her husband is gone because he was taken in the secret rapture. And then she has to try to exist with the Antichrist in his tanks outside her door. Oh yes, we would invite Jesus into our heart for the 20th time. Because we didn't want to be left behind. So they have a left behind series. But tell me, who's going to be left behind? If we read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. They're going to be burned up. So no one's going to be left behind. Because chapter 1, verses 7 through 10 tells us, you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Je- Verse 7 of chapter 1. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels, in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord, and from the glory of His power, when He shall come to be glorified in His saints. It's one coming when He's glorified in His saints and He burns up the wicked and all those that do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. This passage, more than any other passage in the New Testament, deals with the subject that we have at hand. Why all the confusion? We're working our way toward some of those statements. Verse 5. We understand, along with all our fathers in the faith, Before the last hundred years of ignorance that the man of sin is a collective term for the popes of Rome sitting in the so-called church of Jesus Christ in Rome proclaiming themselves to be equal to God and above God. Without the Roman pontiff, there is no salvation, they say. He is called holy and reverend, most holy and reverend father. He is called the vicar of Jesus Christ on earth. There is no salvation outside the Roman Catholic communion, they claim. Verse 5, Paul tells these Thessalonians, Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? I explained all this when I was with you. And now ye know what withholdeth. See, they knew. Ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. You know what's in place that is holding back the revelation of the popes of Rome as the heads of the Christian church that put to death our fathers in the faith and chased them into the mountains of Wales where they survived for 1,260 years because God gave them the great wings of an eagle to bear them up and to take them there and He fed them and nourished them for 1,260 years. That's all in Revelation 12, the last seven verses. Second Thessalonians 2, 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. The devil and his efforts to raise men up to seek the preeminence like the popes of Rome was already at work. The corruption was already at work, but it hadn't come out into full bloom yet. The little horn had not grown up yet out of Rome because it was still one head with no horns. Then it got ten horns. Because the ten horns were a division of the Roman Empire after it was overthrown in 476 A.D. into the ten small nations of Europe. And then out of one of them came that little horn that around 606 A.D. the emperor in Constantinople wrote to the bishop of Rome and said, you have the Western Empire. That's why it's called the Western Church. Then there's the Eastern Orthodox that claim to be Catholics as well. Well, there's a schism between the two of them. It's the Western Latin church and it's the Eastern Greeks. We have a Greek Orthodox church in this city and we have 15 Roman Catholic churches of the Western order. Verse 8, And then shall that wicked be revealed. When that thing is taken out of the way, when the Roman emperor is gone, then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of His mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of His coming." Now follow the nature of the Catholic Church and the popes, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. There are four verses where it says God sends strong delusion to cause people to believe a lie that they might be damned. Because, and there's a reason given, and it helps us understand this aspect of God's nature. It's in judgment because they didn't receive the love of the truth, but instead they had pleasure in unrighteousness. If you want to reject what God tells you and and show a negligence of it, or show a rejection of it, and if you take pleasure in unrighteousness, God has a right and He will blind you. And He blinds all these Do you know what kind of superstition it takes to take a little cracker and put it in your mouth and feel that cracker dissolve on your tongue and then swallow it down into your belly and know that it comes out in the draft? Do you know what kind of delusion it takes to believe that that is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ? Do you know what kind of superstition it takes right. to believe that a fairy queer, sitting in Rome, a hundred pounds overweight, playing with men, is the head of your religion, and the ultimate source of salvation and the ultimate criteria for true doctrine? Do you know what kind of superstition it takes that you would pray ten times to Mary for every single time that you would pray to God your Father in the rosary? Do you know what kind of superstition it takes to believe that Mary was created without sin? Let me say something again that I said a few weeks ago. When the Catholic Church declares the Immaculate Conception... They are not saying that Jesus was conceived immaculately in the womb of Mary. No, 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 no. You're mistaken. The Immaculate Conception is the conception of Mary without sin in St. Anne's womb. Right. You say, where did St. Anne come from? I don't know. (laughs) Yes. Right. Because they're deluded. For those of you who have ever tried to convert a Catholic... The Word of God doesn't mean a thing to them. Because you're going against Mother Church. You're going against the magisterium of the Catholic Church. The magisterium is the authority that is in the popes and the bishops and the priests for the last 2,000 years and what they have declared is true gospel and true doctrine, not what the Bible says. And we could go on and on and on with the delusions of those in the Catholic Church, but that is what's under consideration right here. Psalm 115 took care of three-quarters of the earth's population that was a pagan. 2 Thessalonians 2 took care of three-quarters of what's left by ruling out those that follow the man of sin. But what I'm trying to show you is what's left. Just a few million, 99% of them can't figure out the first three verses. Neither can they figure out the rest of the chapter. They're in darkness. My poor son last night, debating these issues in this chapter with a bright young man at Wachovia Bank here in Greenville, thinks it's the withholding power in 2 Thessalonians 2 is Michael the Archangel. Where in the world? Michael the Archangel. Where? Others think it's the Holy Spirit. You thought it was the Holy Spirit. I thought it was the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit's taken out of the world, when it raptures the church, then those that remain... You know, we're going to be left behind to the Antichrist. But the whole order is wrong. So the whole scheme is wrong. The Antichrist comes first, then Jesus. The reason I'm going over this is for Esther so that you will never forget it. And that you will understand that people are blinded, no matter how nice they are and how much they care about teaching you reading, writing, and arithmetic. And for the rest of you, when you meet nice Christians in your life, that you will understand they do not know the Bible. They cannot open up 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. They're confused by it. They're in darkness about it. And it's not because we're smart. And it's not because we're diligent. It's because God is merciful. Not unto us. Not unto us, O Lord, do we take glory. We give it to You for Your mercy's sake and Your truth's sake. It's pure mercy and it's pure truth. Thank You, Lord, for it. Look at those verses 9-12 through and never forget them with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish in verse 10 verse 11 for this cause because they did not receive the love of the truth for this cause god tells us exactly why he operates as a blinding despot because they committed a sin that deserved the consequences they did not receive the love of the truth When they heard the Bible, they didn't want to believe the Bible. They wanted to believe some fairy queer in a priest's robe. I have documentation from the Catholic Church of the United States of America that declares in their own language that over 50% of all their priests are faggots. They know it. Listen, there's only one reason, other than the Apostle Paul, why a man would take a vow of celibacy. From a woman. Because he's a queer. They're deceived. This cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. It's a lie to have to be single. Peter was married. You know, the man, the man they have way up there in the Vatican, sitting on his golden throne. He was married. The Bible tells us he had a wife. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, I have the authority to have a wife just like Cephas. They're deceived. God sends them strong delusion to believe a lie. That they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. The list of the Roman Catholic errors, we've been through a number of them before in other places, other times. The list is long of how deluded they are. So we come to the thirteenth verse. And this is what we're dealing with. But we, Paul and the Thessalonians, Paul and the ministers that were with him when he wrote this epistle, Paul and Sylvanus and Timotheus, in the first verse of the first chapter, but we are bound to give thanks always to God for you. We give thanks to God. We do not give thanks to anyone else. We give thanks to God for opening our eyes to the truth. It may be He showed us a passage of Scripture. It may be He sent us a minister that opened our eyes. It may be that He sent us a book that opened our eyes. But we give thanks to God and we do it all way. But we are bound. Do you understand that we are chained up to give God thanks for seeing any of this? It is not by our ability. It is by God's mercy. Truth is by revelation. It is not by discovery. God has to reveal it. You can study, and you can hunt, and you can search, and you can seek, but God must show it to you. That's why David would pray in Psalm 119 verse 18, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law, because though I've written another 175 verses in this chapter about how much I love thy law, unless you open my eyes, I will not be able to see your truth in it. But we are bound. Yes, I love this verse. And as soon as you show me that you are also bound to give thanks all the way to God for the truth He's shown you, then I'll stop quoting it. But until then, I'm going to keep quoting it because the Apostle Paul tells me that this is a summary verse of this chapter. This is the conclusion. This is why we are different than verses 9 through 12. This is why we see verses 1 through 3. This is why we're not worshiping the Pope of Rome. This is why we understand He is the man of sin. Because God has shown us the truth, and we are bound to give thanks always to God for you. Brethren, beloved of the Lord, this is how God shows His love. He opens the eyes, hearts, and ears of men to see and understand truth. Because God hath from the beginning, God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation. Salvation from the man of sin. Salvation to eternal glory. God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit. We first of all need to be born again so that we have a heart that's even capable of truth. And then the belief of the truth. He chose us to it like He did Lydia, whose heart the Lord opened in Acts chapter 16 and verse 14. There is 2 Thessalonians 2, 13. Whereunto He called you by our gospel. The Apostle Paul came into Thessalonica came in there and he laid out the Word of God. He, he, he came not with the wisdom of man's words. He dumbed down his message, as I showed you last Sunday from 1 Corinthians 2. He dumbed the message down so that their faith would stand in the power of God and not in the wisdom of man. Paul came into Thessalonica and preached the truth. He preached Psalm 115. They burned up all their idols. Go read about it. Right. They turned from their idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son Jesus from heaven. And so great was their conversion and transformation that the news of that conversion spread throughout all that part of the Roman world. So Paul said, we don't even have to tell people what happened to you Thessalonians because wherever we go, they tell us about the great change in your lives by the gospel. And you know what was the basis for all of it? Right here. God, from the beginning, chosen them. Think, you say, that just isn't fair. There's other people out there that would like the truth if God would show it to them. No, 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 no. Why do you think that? You're thinking that from a regenerate perspective. We had our choice in the Garden of Eden and we chose a lie over God's truth. God's truth, we could have lived forever in fellowship with God in the Garden of Eden only having to dress it. Not having to go to the factory every day and weld. Just having to dress the garden. We chose a lie. We chose death and a lie and God gives us what we want. And every man wants it. We willingly follow the course of this world and the prince of the power of the air who was a liar from the beginning. If it wasn't for the grace of God that is in verse 13, no one would believe any truth. By the grace of God that's in verse 13, there are some that believe the truth. And it is by by pure grace. So we come to verse 15. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Whether I told you in person or whether I've written it in this epistle. Hold it fast and don't you dare move. Be Fastened to it and don't let it go. Therefore, the therefore is there for this reason. If you turn away from the love of the truth, if you turn away from what God's given you, then he can blind you and you can end up like these dupes, blinded and deluded with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them. That happened to the Jews. They rejected the prophets God sent them. They couldn't recognize the son of God when he arrived. If you reject the truth, so brethren, this is why we have a church right here. That 15th verse. We come together to help encourage one another and to learn God's word together. And we are going to stand fast and we are going to fight. And if somebody wants to disagree with us and argue with us, they can go find their church out there. Bye-bye. We'll be better for it. The sooner you leave, the better. Go find your own doctrine. Until you bring overwhelming evidence that it's like a tidal wave, a tsunami. Until you bring overwhelming evidence to show us that we are wrong, and it handles every verse that we have put together by God's grace to show us the truth, we are going to hold to what God has shown us. Amen. We don't care what you think. We don't care how sincere you are. We don't care how many books you buy. We don't care how many universities, seminaries or any other institutions of higher learning or religious organizations believe what you believe. God has shown us His truth, and He's also told us that it's always going to be held by a minority. So if you bring us something that everyone else believes, we already know it's wrong before we hear the first argument. This is why we have a church, brethren. What What does it do to you when you read a passage like that? I love the God of heaven that is in that passage. Amen. That he's able to turn the religious world upside down by putting a different order in his Bible that I can plainly read from what they teach. That he's able to tell us, obscurely, who the man of sin is that no one else can figure out. That he is able to blind men. Now listen, you should be getting serious. Amen. There's so much hangman's rope in the Bible. Right. We're going to get to that. This book, this book is a big barn full of hangman's nooses. For people who don't want to follow the truth, there's always a verse <laughs> to just right there and ruin them. So you know what that means? We get down on our knees and we beg God to keep us from any pride. We beg God to open our eyes to see that we might behold wondrous things out of His law. Amen. We say, Not unto us, Not unto us, but unto thyself we give glory. Psalm 115, verse 1. Not unto us, We are nothing. But, that giving the glory to God never means that we walk around and apologize for having the truth. That we walk around and say, I'm not really sure, but I think. No, we are sure, and we don't think. We believe. We are persuaded. I know. Paul said they knew. They knew who the man of sin was. They knew what was withholding, and we know. And so did our fathers a hundred years ago. That's why they wouldn't celebrate Christmas. Because it was a holiday, a holy day, established by that man of sin. They weren't going to let an organ into a church. The only churches on earth that had organs in them were the churches under the man of sin. We don't have an altar in our church. It's only a church that's following the man of sin that has an altar at the front. There's no sacrifice here. The sacrifice has been made in heaven in a better altar. And it's forever made. Listen, brethren, I I read a chapter like this. I love the God that's described there. I'm so thankful that I'm beloved. Brethren, beloved of the Lord. You know, when you read that, do you just blow over those words? I know it's a big verse. It's it's chunky. It's chunkier than John 11.35 that says Jesus wept. But, you know, it, it's got a few words in it, but when you read through it, when you read the words, brethren, beloved of the Lord, does that get you excited? Amen. Brethren, beloved of the Lord. Do you know how they were brethren, beloved of the Lord? Because they saw the truth. They had been chosen from the beginning to salvation. They had been chosen to sanctification of the Spirit. They were beloved. You are beloved, brethren. Amen. Right. You're, bre- you're beloved of the Lord. Amen. Or you wouldn't see these things. We'd be showing left behind number five this morning. With Starbucks and Krispy Kreme. My flesh thinks it'd be just terrific. Half of you would probably get saved again. But we are beloved of the Lord. And we thank God for His truth. This is why we have a church. This is why we stand steadfast. This is why we don't put up with heretics. This is why we call them heretics. This is why we cast them out of our church. Because the Bible tells us to. He that is a heretic after the first and second admonition, what's the verb? Reject. Reject. Knowing that such is subverted and it's condemning himself. God has given us his simple truth and we hold to it. And if you don't see Second Thessalonians 2 clearly yet, I'll give you several sources that you can go to and get it in a couple of hours. A sermon series on Second Thessalonians 2 is on the website. Daniel chapter 7 outline is on the website. The book that we sell, Great Prophecies of the Bible, will take you through it and explain it to you and tell you that all our fathers believe that. It's the simplest explanation. If you want to go to an older edition of Encyclopedia Britannica, it'll tell you. Right. I remember when I first bought at a garage sale a 1913 set of the British, of the uh, Br- Encyclopedia Britannica, and I remember looking up Antichrist and it said, universally understood to be the popes of Rome. Hey, what? I said, universally understood. I don't understand it. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I, I look in this and I, I want to love the truth. What do what is, what is the, these verses do to you? It says, because they receive not the love of the truth. Do you know what I want to do? <laughs> what do you think? I want to love the truth. Amen. I want to love the truth. I want to get excited about the truth. I want to scream the truth. I want to defend the truth. Because if I don't receive the love of the truth, guess what's going to happen to me? I'm going to get blinded. I want to thank God. I want to appreciate the Bible. Don't you love how the Bible's written? Why is it so obscure there in verse 7? Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. What in the world does that mean? It means the thing that is hindering. The rise of the man of sin has to be taken away so that the man of sin can rise. But why? Look at verse 5. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you... Well, how are we supposed to figure it out if you told them but you didn't tell us, Paul? Because you're supposed to read Daniel. Didn't Jesus tell us? Spoken of by Daniel the prophet in Matthew 24. Didn't he put in parentheses by the Spirit? Let him that readeth understand. Amen is that deep. Do you know what the Bible's telling you on matters of prophecy? Go back and read Daniel. Thank you, Lord. And you have the book of Acts to tell you why he was so careful with this church. Oh, brethren, God is the author of confusion. Never forget the Tower of Babel. Never forget it. Let it humble you. God had told those people after the flood to multiply and replenish the earth. And they rebelled by wanting to build a tower and gather together in one place. What does it say their purpose for the tower was? They wanted to have a united nations lest they be scattered abroad, which is what God had told them to do. So God came down and saw their plans and He confused their language. God is the God of language. God ordained language. God ordained that we can make little noises with our mouth and we can communicate word pictures to another person. We can communicate deep concepts. We can persuade with logical reasoning with little noises that pop out of our mouths. We can take those noises and write them down with a little alphabet of 26 men. Other nations take a few more. There's a few thousand Chinese characters. I'm glad we have 26. It was hard enough to get me through English. I'm thankful. God is the God of language. And this is all very important because as we look at the Bible, why is the Bible written like it is? The God that invented language, could He have written it in a plainer way? Oh, yes. Could He have written it without any rope? Yes. Could He have written it without any traps in it? Oh, yes. Does He know the difference between hard speech and easy speech? Oh, yes. Yes. Does he know the difference between a parable and plain speech? Oh, yes. Does he know that a proverb is a dark saying and difficult to figure out? Oh, yes. Why is the Bible written like it is? Because God is the author of confusion if we don't approach Him right. And if He hasn't shown His mercy toward us. He did it at the Tower of Babel and He continues to do it. Why are we having this study? I'll tell you why. This is why we're having this study, so that we can learn the true character of God. This God is not preached elsewhere. Right. The God that's preached elsewhere wants everyone to know the truth. Everyone. And until everyone has heard the truth, Jesus can't even come back. Oh, they're so messed up on that verse. That's from Matthew chapter 24. The whole world heard the truth before the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. because the Apostle Paul said so in about 10 places and. Romans and Colossians. We want to learn the true character of God because it's so different than the cotton candy caricature that's taught in most churches. The deceived and the deceiver are mine. Right. Amen. I use deceivers to deceive people so that they end up being the deceived. They're all mine. Look at those verses we just read. God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Who wants to preach that text? Do you think Mr. Osteen might do that tonight in Houston? I don't think so. Am I better than Joel Osteen? Listen, he's 20 times better looking. He may be 10 times smarter. He's got an uglier wife, but I can't help that. But do you know when it comes to God's truth, I want to be ugly. And I want to be stupid because God said they're the ones that get my truth. Amen. I want to be ugly and stupid and despised by this world and nothing. If maybe a crumb might fall from the table, because if a crumb of truth falls from the table, I'm going to eat it up. Amen. I can't smile like Joel. Somebody pulls a camera out of me, my whole body goes into fits. Joel smiles when he sleeps. And if you haven't seen Joel, you need to watch him for a few minutes so you can appreciate everything I just said. Why the study? So that we can learn the true character of God. So that we'll be bound to give thanks. I want us to be a thankful people so that we'll get more truth, more mercy, more grace by being a thankful people. That's why Jacob said, I am not worthy of the least of all thy mercies or of all the truth that thou hast shown me. And then this text right here, 2 Thessalonians 2.13, I never want you to forget it. Why this study? Reason number three, so that we'll tremble before him lest he blind and confuse us. He blinded and confused his own people many times. Do you know those passages that I read to you last Sunday were written to his church? The church of God of the Old Testament. The fourth reason, so that we can understand why the vast majority of mankind and Christians are blind and confused. Because God has blinded them and God has confused them. It's not because we're smarter. It's because God has made a choice. And we're on one side of that choice. And we should bless and praise His holy name, just like Paul said in this verse. We're bound to give thanks for a choice that God made. It's not a choice that we made to pick the right major. It's not a choice that we made to pick the right books. It's not the choice that we made to pick the right pastor. It's the choice God made to reveal truth to us. That's the fourth reason. So that we can understand why people are so blinded and confused. So that we can learn that truth is a blessed privilege and it's not a right. It's by revelation and it's not discovered. So we can be convicted to read and study the Bible more carefully. What we just went through, it should provoke you to want to read Second Thessalonians 2 very carefully and learn it. It should. If it doesn't, you have a problem you are probably in the process of being blinded and confused. Because if you don't love the truth that God puts in front of you, He will blind you. He'll confuse you. He'll deceive you. Truth is too precious to ever take it for granted. How does it happen? Why doesn't He get to a new point? What's He preaching on this subject for? I've got so much to do this afternoon. I've got so much going on this next week. You've made the point. Go on. Why don't you preach like you used to? Why do you get so worked up about it? Why is the Roman Catholic Church such a big deal? I've never met a Catholic. And on and on. You know what that mind, you know what those things are? That's the tumbling of God's tumbler, blinding and confusing. When God opens His truth to us a couple, a few minutes, Out of 168 hours, we should sit on the edge of our pews mentally and want to suck in every word that we possibly can. We want to get every word that's written on those pages. We want to get the sense of those words. And we want to be thankful that we understand what was read to us. If you don't get excited, He will blind you. All of a sudden, the things of your life will be more important than the church of God. You'll have leanness in your soul. You'll be more, you'll be more excited about spectator sports than the kingdom of heaven. You'll be more excited about anything else than the word of God. You'll doze when you sit in here because he's blinding you. He calls it the spirit of slumber. Those aren't my words. Those are his words. I'll buy your Red Bull if you need Red Bull. I want to save your life from being blinded and confused. Why this study? So we can be comforted in reading many verses that lend themselves to supporting false doctrine. When you, come upon a, when you come upon a verse in the Bible that seems to be saying that you need to be baptized in order to be saved, instead of being confounded by that verse, you get a big smile on your face. <laughs> Lord, you are magnificent. Right. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Why did he put this verse here? So if the church of Christ could come along who's made a decision that you need to be baptized in order to be saved, and do this. Oh, it got me. Acts 2.38 got them. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And there they go. They're all dangling. Their feet are swinging in the breeze. Because the Lord gave them Acts 2.38. Mark 16.16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. What are you going to do with that one? Is that a hard verse? Does that scare you or does that excite you? Amen. I know that baptism is the answer of a good conscience for someone that's already saved. Right. You say, but why did God write the Bible that way? That's why I'm preaching this series. Amen. He wrote the Bible that way to confuse men who don't want to approach it humbly and who want to follow a man-made tradition. And where did that tradition come that baptism saves? From a man of sin and son of perdition. Because he, it is the mother church, the mother of abominations of the earth, and the mother of harlot daughters, Revelation chapter 17. The idea that baptism saves comes from Rome. And the Lord gave them plenty of rope to hang themselves. Amen. So I get comfort from it. It encourages us to the work that's involved in properly studying the Bible. Then we, now all of a sudden we know. There is a reason to compare spiritual things with spiritual. There's a reason to read the whole Bible because there is no prophecy of the scriptures that is of any private interpretation. So I gotta get the whole thing together. Oh, the, now I understand. This is God's means for me to see the truth and others who don't approach the Bible properly to miss it. Right. Thank you, Lord. We learn the, we learn the issue. That the true God of heaven doesn't play around with men who get excited by the world, who disregard His Bible, who don't read it every day, and who don't love the preaching of it. We know that you can't play around with that. If you play around with it, God will blind you. Truth is too important to Him. It's too big of a blessing that He gives us who have chosen lies. Since we chose lies and He gives us truth anyway by His choice, He expects us to take advantage of that. And when we don't, He judges us seriously for it. Have you ever read Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 20? When I cried, you wouldn't respond. When I offered you wisdom, you wouldn't take it. Therefore, when your calamity comes, and your calamity is going to come, you're going to call upon me and I'm going to laugh at you. that's 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 why this study. That's why this study. And so that we with great boldness and absolute dogmatism declare the truth defend the truth, and practice the truth. We want to be like Elihu. We want to be able to sit at a campfire, have three wise men, the wisest men on earth, some of the wisest men on earth, and Job, and watch their debate. Eliphaz first, then Job rebuts. Bildad, Job rebuts. Zophar, Job rebuts. And they go through that cycle three times, and we're sitting there listening back and forth, Four of the wisest men on earth. And then we get to Job 32, where we are, we are upset. We are upset and we are angry, and we tell those four men you don't have a clue what you're talking about. Right, Older men should speak first. And I have sat and listened to your drivel, but the inspiration of the Almighty giveth men wisdom, and now it's my turn, I'm going to give you my opinion, shut up and sit down. Praise the Lord. That is why this study. And it should excite your hearts. There's only one reason why you should want these services today to end. So that you can get home and get in your office and read the Bible. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word.